You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, My name is Matt Carter, and you guys know that. I know it. Um, today I'm going to talk to my friend Dan Coke because I want to do some thinking out loud about uh, the Charlottesville stuff over the weekend. We talked about it on the Bad Christian Podcast for a minute, and I just I've been thinking about it and had some questions. And Dan's a clear thinker, so he was he's back in town. So I said, "Come come over and let's think about this out loud for a little bit." So that's the episode today. And he also had some other ideas and a book idea he wanted to talk about. And I I just like doing that thing where I get to think out loud with thoughtful people. It's just, it's fun, it's engaging, and it seems like it's, you know, useful for other people. You can kind of pretend like you're sitting at the table with us. I'm sure there'll be many times where you want to yell that I'm stupid, but that is okay too. That's just kind of the way that it works. So hope you enjoy this episode today. I will remind you that there's a book about the band Emory, which is the best band in the world, and the band that I founded, and the band that I arrange for and play guitar in. And we have a book written by Aaron Lunsford at emorybook.com. It tells how the band works, what the members are like, the dirt on everybody, and what the dynamics are. So that is a neat thing. It's up for pre-order right now. Other than that, I just want to remind everybody that another podcast I do is called The Labeled Podcast, and it's the stories, legends, and rumors of Tooth and Nail Records. And that one's been really fun to... uh, to do. And I've really enjoyed it very much. It's turning out good. It seems to be a a hit. We did an episode this week on suicide and depression. So it's a little bit of a heavier one, but it's pretty interesting and a good one. I've been doing some thinking on that topic too. We did a Bad Christian episode about it recently and we did this labeled episode about it. So, you know, if you're enjoying any of the stuff that we're making here, then check out the other stuff. Probably will be up your alley too. And that's all I got for you. I'll be back. uh, I got something else later this week, actually, I think I'm going to share with you and do on Friday, perhaps. But uh, y'all have a good day and enjoy this conversation with Dan. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 We are live. Um, okay, Dan. So you've been a little bit on, what do you call it, a sabbatical, a hiatus? hiatus you've yeah. been on a little bit of hiatus. Did you just, here's my theory, you can correct me. <laughs> here's what must have happened. You overloaded on politics and trying to be an activist and make a difference and bring people to the middle. Everybody went crazy, got even more crazy, polarized even further, and you couldn't handle it. And then you took a hiatus, and after some time of reflection, you came back and realized that I'm right, you should be non-political. Yeah, pretty much false. <laughs> false on all accounts. Uh, what happened is more like in my personal and family life, I had a whole lot of drama going on, and I decided to take a break from work mm-hmm. as well as from depolarize. Mm-hmm. And then when I decided That's to take... some white privilege right there. Yeah, you no, it is. working for a while, okay. Yeah, well, my job is kind of weird. Um, I didn't no, stop I working on everything, but I stopped working on... Uh, a few things. And um, then on day one of that hiatus, I like spent three hours on Facebook. <laughs> I was like, this is not going to work. So I also took a break from social media, mm-hmm. from Facebook and Twitter, which means I basically took a break from the news. And that was kind of on purpose just to 
like a little fast for a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, like Trump will either fail or succeed without me. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I got another two weeks left on that. Break. So so how's it been being out of the news loop? Because th- I don't try to be in any kind of news loop. I don't need no hiatus either. I'm just a kind of an even observer. Yeah. But it, uh, I, my theory is people that consume less news will be better off, period. Well, I, I do think that there's like some studies that show, you know, raised anxiety levels and whatnot. And mm. especially it's not hard to believe because we know how much modern media of almost all stripes – sort of makes money off of engaging our outrage. Right. And so... Social media platforms and the media outlets. Yeah, right. Creators, almost all. I mean, even even my podcast, if if I put a boring topic up, it will get less downloads. I mean, I I won't exclude me from a a media person in a way, I guess. I make some form of media, but... If you can activate someone's amygdala, their fear center, Mm -hmm. then you will... You got them. Mm -hmm. And... uh, But there's sort of like a brain chemistry cost... To mm-hmm. your amygdala always firing. Yeah. And it's sort of like always being afraid of you're not going to survive or something like that, you know? It's, so yeah. it's been really nice. I, I, I am very fortunate. I have a, a group text thread with three buddies who are very smart and much more politically engaged. Mm-hmm. One is a political junkie and a geneticist. One is a lawyer and one is in PR. Mm-hmm. And so they let me know anything that I need to know. And kind of in a funny mm-hmm. way from friends, and then I get the New York Times. But what daily if you miss briefing. the? I mean, but think of how important it is. And you, like you could, you missed a whole outrage cycle about Trump gave a speech to the Boy Scouts that he said was good, and some other people said it wasn't good, and they didn't tell him it was good. That was a really big deal that we were all spinning about. And yeah, how, was, if you didn't, if you missed that, how could you possibly be a functioning yeah, member of society? Pretty, pretty happy to miss that one. Do you know yep. what I mean? Like that was real. That was a real yeah. big thing that you missed. That was very important. <laughs> Yeah, I'm picking up on the sarcasm. So I, what <laughs> the only thing I really do is I read the New York Times daily briefing at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like here's what here's ten things that happened today, and some days I don't read it. Most days I do, and I'll click through if I want to read a little bit more. I'll I'll Google something, mm-hmm. and it's been basically the healthiest six weeks of my life, <laughs> at least of the last two years of my life. Yeah, I believe so it. So I I don't know. I might I might keep it up indefinitely, and I might steer depolarize in a less politics. In, into a less political angle and more of a psychological angle. Well, so what I'm curious about, or what I wanted to do today, I know there's a couple of things we'd like to do in the time that we have, but yeah. um, in fact, one of them is take questions. So I want to talk about Charlottesville a little bit. And when I say talk, I mean ask questions and think out loud. I ain't, I don't know much about. Sure. I mean, let us process together. <sighs> right, because yeah. that's where I'm. I am. Cr- I am really freaked out by the amount of people who can see a complex event that can that takes thousands of different individuals and many, many different groups of people and chaos erupts and how many people know exactly what to do immediately and how to respond Mm. to it and what's going, first of all, what's going on? Is it the beginning of something? Is it the end of something? Is it an anomaly? Who is doing what? Who is what? And what do we want to happen? And if we did whatever we want to happen, how, what would be the best ways to do that? I mean, I don't understand how everybody's so confident that, I mean, here's what I know. Uh, the, the 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 right thing to do is announce to your non-racist friends that you will not stand for racism. That's what I know is the safe thing to do that I see everybody doing. Well, I but think I, I, that's even that is like okay. You're talking about but, what should the average citizen do or what I don't, should I don't politicians know. do? No, I don't know. I mean, wait, what do we even? I mean, I, that, that's even still way ahead of where I'm at. I'm just barely figuring out what happened. 
Who's doing what? Where? Are who you are, saying who, who that, is what? Are, and, and, okay, I mean, you're obviously not saying that you don't know the facts of the case. Some of them, I, well, the, most of the facts of the case, there I would was suggest a, I don't know. There was a rally, mm-hmm. and I'm not. By the way, I've read very little about this, but it seems obvious to me that there was a rally of mm-hmm. white nationalists, right. uh, including Richard Spencer, and, the, and the Tiki look, Torch folks, and that would be self-proclaimed white nationalists, right? Yeah, like, that's like because part of the problem I have yes. is, is mislabeling of groups. So who's no, 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 what, they yeah, that one, believe yeah. that America should be based on mm-hmm. white European culture. Yes, Western right. culture, which they believe is tied to whiteness. Yeah, mm-hmm. they call it white European or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So they had a demonstration, and one of their kind. Now, I, I guess I don't know how connected he was to the whole group. We we do know that like that group is like doing Hitler salutes and etc. Wouldn't, wouldn't even I mean that, it makes me sound like some apologist, but wouldn't that be some of them? I mean, sure. surely some I mean, of, it's, some there's of not the, that many of them there ha- I, I, in the group. Uh, well, that's another debated thing. Some people think there's 10 yeah. million of those people. Or no, some people think that's 49% of the U.S. are well, those okay. people. So well, clearly that, again, that's not true. Yeah. So we can, if we're going to talk about the facts, talk about the people who are actually there, uh-huh. which uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, like a, a few hundred or something. And, they, you know, one of them drove a truck into mm-hmm. people who were, who were counter-protesting or whatever and... Killed a woman and injured nineteen. Yeah, it fits. Yeah. It fits the definition of yep. domestic terrorism. Hundred percent agree with that. So uh, I think I, it's. I like that a lot, actually. To think yeah, there's of a, terrorism there's a definition. The that, very small group of super radicals. Well, yeah. Right? So that's interesting. No, that's, uh, well, that, yeah. It it that group of people clearly all is half of the country is that way. I'm not sure. No, there's there's it's clearly something in between. So for instance. Um, it's naive to think, I think. I think I think it's naive to say that Trump equivocating on this. And when I say mm-hmm. Trump equivocating, what I mean is he said there is violence on many sides. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that was that's, that's a pretty good yeah. definition of the word equivocating. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Yes. So for Trump to equivocate, I think it's naive to say that does not send a message yes. to people who are mm-hmm. uh in their already in their own minds sympathetic to the white nationalist agenda. Now they may not wear swastika. They might not think that like blacks should be mm-hmm. sent to Africa or whatever. They might just be a person who goes, you know what? I'm sick of not understanding languages when I'm at the grocery store. Right. And I don't think that it should be that way. Right. Well, okay. So that there's like a legitimate. Those kids are going to our schools and need to learn to speak English. That well, that isn't the same as somebody marching with a swastika. No, or, or it is. And actually, there's there's also a difference between kids in school need to learn English English, and I don't want adults who are in their own groups in a non-work setting, say shopping for groceries. Mm-hmm. To speak another language. That's those are actually different claims. Yeah, you could okay. you could yeah, argue more nuanced. It yep. is very important that any immigrant or refugee, especially under the age of eighteen, learn English immediately. Mm-hmm. I would hold that view for their sake, mm-hmm. for for everyone's sake, like a robust assimilation of refugees. Because you like white American Western no, culture. No, because you can't, get, <laughs> you can't get anything done if you don't speak the same language. Agree, yeah. Like, yeah. if you want to succeed in America, and if we want, if I want immigrants and refugees to have a really good shot at having a good life here, mm-hmm. and if they never learn English, sure. those chances go way down. Sure. 
Okay, so, so there's, there's the spectrum that. from you to the white nationalists, and that's the, some of the stuff that you and they might agree on. Oh my gosh! Insofar, <laughs> I think ninety percent of Americans would agree that okay. immigrant children should learn English. I think there's very few people who would say. However, it most matter. of the people that stand up to say that make a red flag to people to say, "I wonder if that guy might be a racist." Then, like, well, you know what I'm saying? I don't like, know. It's not, I, what are you going to do? Go out and, uh, anyway. I don't point, know. I I mean, maybe the association so, problem is I'm, what. I, all my point is is. It, I am absolutely stunned by the weekend's events. Like, I was like, wait a second. We have this? Like, I thought, like, I, I'm genuinely taken aback. That it happened or you're taken aback by people's happened. response? Well, both. I mean, I, well, first of all, what in the world? I'm still stuck on what in the world. Okay, here's what it is. Here, here's where I'm at. I'm fine with calling white nationalists, white supremacists, Nazis, people that are those things, especially self-identified ones. Yeah. I would fine with calling them my enemy, okay? Like, clearly. They are, yeah. They're now, your enemy. I want. I would like to know who my enemy is. I would like to know who isn't them. And now, it, it, once we get there, which I'm not there yet, because I don't know who's what or what the people with the torches thought. Are they all... I'm still behind on that. I know it's easier okay. to label every white person in the state of Virginia that, but it's not exactly that. Of course, that's so, not true. Yeah. But I've got more work to do to try to draw the lines and name sure. the groups and see who self-identifies and who covertly identifies. Right. There's work to do there for me. And then secondly, if I do, once I do have them, I've got to categorize them and strategize what would be effective. First of all, I've got to name my goals. Do I want them to not be able to demonstrate? Do I want them to not be able to have websites? Do I, would I like racism, yeah. racist thoughts to become illegal? Good question. I mean, certainly there is I don't, a difference. Like, for instance, in Germany, it like, is what do we illegal. Do? It's illegal to instantiate Nazi actions mm -hmm. in public in Germany. Mm -hmm. It's not illegal in America. No. There's a legitimate question: Do we want it to be more like Germany, mm -hmm. or do we want to keep our more a robust free speech? Let's so, bracket that question because okay. I don't think we're going to answer it right now. What? Here's another just general question: What do you want to happen to a person who has those views, who marched with a tiki torch and didn't beat anybody up or commit any crimes? What do you want to happen to that guy? I don't. I don't know the answer to that either. Well, what I want what, to happen what to What do we that? want to happen to those people? Do we, well, would we like them killed? Would we like them shipped off? Would we like them to lose their jobs? Would we just like them to be publicly shamed? What do we want to happen to those people? And, yeah. will that, and what we want, will that further our goals? Like, for instance, I want to, I mean, the next thing I want to do, I mean, and this is one whole question I want to hear your answer. I'm not just trying to talk a bunch. Well, you're doing a good job I know, so far. <laughs> but but uh, but also if you tie that to the same with ISIS, I don't know how to think of it in a different way. Like yeah. what I want to happen to ISIS may not be the best thing to stop them, such as bomb all them or go get them. Well, maybe that radicalizes more. I don't know. Right. You, yeah, you, you bring up a good point that how do you deal with hate groups in a way that reduces both the recruitability mm -hmm. of hate groups mm -hmm. and the real world effects of the violent actions of hate groups. Yeah, and what you, like the vindictive justice that you seek, like, right? That part of it is, yeah. I, w I would love it if they got stung by a bee or uh, got a bunch of paper cuts or yeah. they it got be, yelled be at really, at the mall. It would be really emotionally yeah. uh, appealing to you for but, that to happen. But, right? I, I, but I have a feeling that a lot of what our, those things play into the hands of ISIS and white supremacist group and grow their platform. And, you know, I have a feeling that they're a little bit, maybe a, oddly, because I, I find them dumb, but they oddly might be a, a step ahead of some other people and calculate and know, at least their leaders know how to grow their movement based on our outrage. 
Well, what and I'm afraid that, of. Well, and that wouldn't be an insane proposition because groups with very few other types of resources will tend to think about how they can use whatever resources they do have to yield the biggest possible product. This is, I think this is the basic understanding of why terrorism sort of exists. It's like... Because it works. You can't win a war. Like, Bin Laden mm -hmm. can't beat America right. militarily. Right. That's completely out of the question. So, well, what can he do? Well, he can plan these very public actions that, that have insane visibility, right? That, that goes so far beyond, like, what he and his band of disciples could accomplish in, in like, a straight-up confrontation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's worth asking those questions. I, I think those questions are above my pay grade, probably. I don't, I don't know the answer. Most people, uh, well, I, I'm just, I'm like, I'm just kind of like lost on how many people seem to know the answer or criticize other answers. And I just, I don't, well, I don't know, but I'm not sure that that's what people are really angry about. Like, for instance, there was a lot of backlash on Trump equivocating. Mm -hmm. And this is basically the first time a president or maybe even almost any governor or senator in the last 50, 70 years, whatever has done this that has not called out like obvious name brand white supremacy mm. i mean in, would you in a allow while. me to say the thing that, that conservatives would be saying right now which is yeah and obama won't name extreme islam or whatever well there's a like there's okay. a difference because the the difference being that <clears throat> Radical Islam. Right. Yeah, radical Islamic like, terrorism. Wasn't there a thing about not naming that? And yeah, and I, 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 I don't, don't know. Well, okay, but first of all, there's what Obama's doing is not using a particular term, but mm -hmm. Obama is always condemning the actions unequivocally. He's just saying mm -hmm. this term does more damage than good geo, like globally. That's mm -hmm. his view. Okay? Now, you could disagree with that view. You could say whatever fancy things you want to do obama like you got to call things what they are mm -hmm. that's fine if but but obama never said well you know the radical like the al qaeda has some problems but you know so does the government of belgium and it's kind of just a well, big I, there's, there's a pretty good of that amount of that on the i mean i'm not trying to be anti i'm not i'm not yeah. no, i'm just saying there's a pretty good amount of people on the left that go, yeah, and it was our fault of that we have ISIS. That's the, kind of the same mentality. Like, yeah, all sides are bad. America's bad because what we do for oil in the Middle East and ISIS is bad. Isn't, right? Isn't that the isn't that equivocating uh, by I, the left? I'm not accusing I Obama specifically. No, I, I know like, what you're saying. Yeah, but they wouldn't be doing all this bad stuff if it wasn't for what we did. But that's like, an argument about equal. That's ISIS an isn't equal to us. Sure. But that is an argument about cause and effect, mm -hmm. not an argument about sort of ideological equal ground. Mm -hmm. So, and, I, and you know, it's not necessarily clear that Trump meant sort of ideological equal ground, but he did equivocate. Yeah, I mean, that's it's interesting. If you say, where did ISIS come from? I mean, there's no way to answer that question without going into like previous wars where well, yeah, various right. Western powers, including the United States, have propped up certain leaders for their own benefit. You you can't talk about ISIS without talking about Saudi Arabia, who's right. been an American ally for right. decades. So these things decades. are extremely complicated. There's They're, a lot of yes. unintended however, consequences. You don't got a grip on it, and neither do I. However, know? it is simply certainly not true that because black people got civil rights, that's like 
where white supremacy came from. Sure. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like white supremacy sure. started slavery. Mm -hmm. So you can't make an analogous argument there. Yes. White I, supremacy yes. is just to, is just sort of universally to be rejected by any thinking person. Yes. And, or moral person. Mm -hmm. And so if Trump equivocates, I think this is what people are angry about. It's like we know it's just sort of like the facts that the publications most uh, most in support of Trump are sort of this alt-right, loosely considered Breitbart, mm -hmm. Infowars, etc. And we know that those are the places you are most likely to find avowed white nationalists like Richard Spencer, for instance, who gets to write this giant piece that they prominently yeah. feature on Breitbart that gets shared a million times or whatever. So we know that Trump knows those people supported him. And so... Yeah. You know, it's naive to it's, say there's nothing there oh, no, no. Let, in let him me, not condemning yes. it. Right. Yeah, and I said this yesterday. Like, there's nothing. I mean, I think it's debatable which is worse, being a racist or not even being a racist and being willing to personally gain from it. That's a that's a creepier yeah. thing in a way to me. Like, it's, right. it's, like, being racist is, like, real bad, but it's almost understandable because it's like a product of what you think or experience or grew up and what bad sure. stuff, yeah. your intellect, all this stuff. To, to no, it's if you know racism to capitalize is wrong, off of it. That's way is, worse. Is, well, a lot it's worse. Surely like, worse. So I would I would yeah. argue Trump intentionally not naming it or calling out is extremely despicable. To uh, to use to, like a church to not do right know. to use a church analogy. Okay, let's say you have like a tent preacher in 1965 mm -hmm. who knows that biracial marriage is fine because he follows Jesus or knows what Jesus said, mm -hmm. but whips up whips them all up at goes, the revival blacks are right. marrying whites and he and that's they right. go yeah that and they worse. pass the hat yeah. that's so much worse yeah. than the 75 year old that's woman right. in the tent who's just always right. thought that i completely you know what i mean i think it's an important distinction yeah. for one the fact that we put racist as actually the worst thing a person can be that's weird because it creates this mm. other thing to me which is wait a second <laughs> who is worse Right. Like, hang on a second. Who's worse, a hate-filled person, uh, uh, somebody who is hate-filled, or somebody who is uh, committed a violent crime? Yeah. So to get uncomfortable with it would be a peaceful, hate-filled, alt-right, white supremacist marching to, with his point of view. Yeah. Or a super leftist who comes and incites and creates violence. To me, yeah, it's hard. It clearly vi violence is worse than a bad idea. Mm. It just is. I don't know another way to put it. First of all, it's a crime. So yeah. crimes are worse than not crimes. And bad ideas are bad, but there's something there, like, which is worse. Yeah. Like, I think I don't, it depends on how that. robust your uh, commitment to nonviolence is. So my, I mean, wouldn't isn't that what we're scared of? With I mean, right. isn't that what we don't like about white supremacists? They might do violence or harm or abuse to minorities. But isn't that what we're trying to prevent is them causing harm to other people? So the people that already are causing harm have already gone into the category of people that I want thrown in jail. Yeah, I so think I that want the, a right. per, a riot a, a violent counter protester in jail. I don't want somebody who is racist to go to jail for that. Right? Right. Well, which one is yeah. I don't know. Except that 
there are larger scale concerns than just individual acts of violence. So, for yes, instance, true. you've heard of the school to prison pipeline, which is mm-hmm. sort of a, a simple uh, phrase that denotes mm-hmm. the whole process of the broken education system and how black youths are so much more likely to be sent to prison, even for even for the same mm-hmm. sort of classroom disruption as white kids or whatever. And this just like yes. feeds into a whole system wide injustice. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, the quiet racist is still a potential danger through I, I his could, or her votes. Maybe and more, maybe a bigger danger, but not individually. Yes. Yeah, that so, doesn't mean that person needs a baseball bat. The person, well, right. the, the school teacher who doesn't get the systematic thing good enough yet. Yeah. I mean, that, it, I mean, those, again, two different things, but we don't, you know, the violent part is the, I mean, the bad part. I mean, you can't take the, the, the group thing, the systematic thing, and then take the, the your anger out on that on one guy with a tiki torch. That doesn't help anything. Yeah, I, I think that and probably most people would agree with you. It's just that it's so brazen, it's so obviously wrong to just have a white nationalist group... Mm-hmm like run into right. protesters and then to have the president sort of waffle on it. That's, it's, that's the thing. It's scary. That's, it's, I, I completely think that's agree with it. that. I don't think that I don't, my impression is not that people are, you know, and then, and then you, you know, it, it's so bad that I saw people and this is anecdotal, but a lot of my Facebook feed, which I checked against the rules, mm-hmm. against my own rules was people Saying, hey, share what your pastor said this Sunday about, you know, the events. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people from all different denominations, pastors from all different denominations are sort of like, this is something we can all agree on. And then, of course, the next day Trump, Trump released, you know, his second statement to sort of like quell this backlash because... One might say, finally, even Christians are are sort of, you know, even evangelicals or whatever are criticizing him for this. I, I just think it's the starkness of his response with the stark or the the uh, the vagueness of his response mm-hmm. and the starkness of the action and sort of like they literally have Nazi flags. Yeah. You know, it's not. Yeah. You're I, not connecting I'm, dots I, here. I, yeah. Maybe I'm the one that. Maybe accused of being a wait and see guy or whatever. Sure, um, but I am for sure that way with hopefully everything. I mean, I like that yep. way. So, but this is the kind of thing where I'm, I woke up this weekend and was like, "Wait a second, is this? You know, this it makes me question my, my wait and see. I, I'm not using that. I'm, yeah. I'm not a Trump supporter in any way. I discredit most everything he does, but." But I can't help but feel that a lot of the stuff is overblown or, like I said, the Boy Scout. I mean, it's just like it, there's all this frenzy going that's feeding it that's overblown. That's still true. That's still true to me. Sure. And yeah, so, of course. But the outrage up, machine yeah. doesn't take a day off. Yeah. No. I, that, it, that's, that, that's still killing me. But when I woke up with this, I was like, holy shit, this is, this is real. This is the tone. This is the frenzy. This is on the, these are on, this is on the ground. This isn't in the media. Right. This right, isn't in right. social media. This is happening. In, yep. And I mean, I woke up, as soon as I saw those people going on whatever night it was, Friday night with those torches. I'm like, holy shit. Like, torch, like, you know, it's visceral. It's like scary. And my first thought is, y'all people don't show it. Just don't, don't everybody go down there and counter protest. We know what will happen. There will be violence. There will be. 
Yeah, and, but and now a lot of there's going to be are, more of it, and everybody's empowered. Like next time those fuckers show up, we're going to go get them. And now that's is that there's more and more people that are on that side this week than last week, right? Well, I mean, are there yeah. more people more prone to more violence this week than last week? I don't know. I I, I mean, I'm I'm thoroughly committed to nonviolence, so mm-hmm. any act of violence, I would always condemn it. You no can't what. get. I mean, you can't get. I don't know. I mean. I, I get that's what I'm saying. I, I get pretty confused when I think about like, well, don't go to the protest and you can't be a victim. <laughs> don't, don't go down there. Yeah. I'm not blaming anybody. I think counter protest is a valid thing. Yeah. But it's going to bring an element of. I mean, there's there's going to be the violent people that but are going to sneak in on the counter protest. But there's a to well, try to. I mean, it's going to so go get, down and and keep the p- counter protest peaceful. Number one, go as a that's not go what as a we see ever happen though. No, that that but, happens but, but, all it, the time. Well, but, but when it's when, really, I was when it's at, escalated like this, well, but the, when the, I was the, at the, the bad ta- element will show up and push things over the line. They will try. You're, but I was at the tax day march, and a group of people in black with bandanas were doing a drum circle mm-hmm. around, and they ended up not being violent. But everybody was watching them, and yeah. if they had started, we would have stopped them. Like I could tell they wouldn't have been stopped. That's what, okay, that's a good question. I haven't been to a protest. Don't intend to go to one. But <laughs> what would you do if the people on your side? Three shoulders down from you, I would have grabbed the three biggest guys around me and, and, and been the, violent the back, to the people on your side. To you would have used violence. No, I would on have used side. restraining. Mm-hmm. I would have restrained them well, with as many big guys. They would have perceived that as violence, and, they and I would have fought you asked the police to come and arrest them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to keep it as peaceful as possible. Yeah, it's not like you can't use force. Force and violence are not the same things. True, right? Right. Uh, a uh, yeah, a twelve-year-old boy has a knife and is running at another twelve-year-old yeah, boy, and a thirty-year-old right. man picks him up and yeah. grabs the knife. That's force, but it's not violence. If there's a double-sized rally next weekend in Blacksburg, um, we you think people like you will be able to stop it from becoming violent, or, or well, do you predict more violence? I don't. I'm not going to make which a prediction. of those is more likely. I have no idea. I don't know. I just but there are two. There are two things that a person at a counter protest could do that I would find incredibly admirable. Admirable. Number one is to maintain the peace within the counter-protest. And number two is to be willing to have violence done against you mm-hmm. in the name of justice and love. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what people did at the lunch yes. sit-ins and the civil rights movement. Yep. The the poor woman who was killed, you know, part of her probably knew that was possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, her death may do an incredible it may, yeah. good. Right, and that's sort of the risk you take when you decide to be nonviolent and go into a potentially violent situation. I kind of think that's one of the most powerful things anybody could do. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, a answer to what you would like to see happen to white supremacists? What is your hope for them, whether punitive or <laughs> you know, yeah, I, recuperative I would, or whatever? Sure, yeah. I, I, I guess I don't have. I don't have a really strong view on this, so I, I'm kind of shooting from oh, the Oh, you hip. don't have a strong view on white supremacy. Very no, no, good. no. Of course <laughs> I have a strong view on white supremacy. I don't have a strong view on what should happen practically in society mm. to reduce harm. My kind of guess is that, from what I understand about human and group psychology, the best thing for, for America would probably be something like this. White supremacy is shown to be impotent and whiny on a grand scale and so people are not drawn to it and then simultaneously if somehow really brilliant 
public speakers and leaders in America could tie white supremacy, like explicit white supremacy, to some of the more insidious and less obvious social injustices that we have. Like, for instance, I don't, I don't believe in equality as a virtue. It doesn't matter that everyone has exactly the same thing, but equality of opportunity mm -hmm. is important. Right. And there's a lot that can be done to make opportunities for people of color better. Just if you think, the only thing you have to agree is that all men have equal value. Sure. All humans have equal value. Yeah. But they've that should shown, be enough to disavow the Like, like they've side. shown in studies, you know, judges and like these are lawyers of 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. They do these studies where they send a judge identical or they send a bunch of judges identical papers from like up and coming law students and they're told to check their work. And in one of them, they say the the lawyer, the young lawyer is African-American. Oh, no, you know what they in do? In other ones, they say they it's Caucasian. His name is like. Jamirius. Well, in this one, they so they do that, but in this one, they same name. Yeah. John Clark. And he's they're told. And they're told his yeah. race, or they're and they're or told he's white, and they have shown a difference in how oh, these judges That's will right. respond to the paper. Not a they surprise. get more condescending with the black right. students. And they're fake students, it's the exact same paper. Yes. Right. So, and that's not a surprise. I, well, I, I don't I'm not, find it a surprise. I'm not surprised by it, but it's that's insidious. So if somehow we could use the sort of like insane theatricality of a situation like this to point to the more persistent, subtle, and less obvious ways that human beings are biased, that's the best scenario. I, I don't and that might be a tall order. I have it's all it's almost all negative to me. Almost everything I'm seeing is bad signs on every side. All, and on all sides. Okay. <laughs> all sides. I think that was a very funny phrase. Like there's like 34 sides and they're all bad <laughs> what Trump right. said. But um it's all troubling to me because I thought we had moved this thing on to where we were saying overt supremacy stuff's not a problem. It's blah, blah, blah. Now we're focused on systematic. But now it's like, wait a minute, back to overt. And now not systematic or is it the same? Or I mean, like now it's just... And now we're t conflating the two back and forth again, and, no, and it's making always... the systematic stuff look like it's under the thumb of this other group. Like it's not... I mean, their platform is probably incredible. It was really good weekend for white, white supremacists. That's what I'm saying. Really good weekend. You think that it that the events will do that movement good? They had a great weekend. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I don't think. know. I mean, I think that... that thanks in part they, to some of us. Well, yeah. So That's what I think. That's what I'm afraid of. I, I, that's sure. what I'm scared. If everybody else is speaking from their fears, those are mine. So... Maybe that's right. my visceral, intuitional fear, but that's a little. I feel mm. like the white supremacists won the day. <laughs> Maybe I mean I guess it's hard to They're say. They're not about to. What are they going to do? Like, what are they? I mean, if if we react to them and all make stands, what are they going to go? Ah, oh, they don't like us. We better knock it off. I mean, I just don't even know what the standing. I was asking somebody what. It's our responsibility to hold them accountable. I'm like, well, what does that even mean? What are you going to do to them? What are you going to do to them that's going to help your cause? Right, but that's why I'm saying— and I can't even think of anything. It so may not have anything to do with those 300 individuals at the rally. It might simply be that the viscerality, the visceralness of that interaction will be enough to show many moderates, specifically moderate conservatives, mm -hmm. that like— Oh, there is something really dark under the surface here. Yeah, and maybe some of that stuff my niece has been telling me about the school to prison pipeline is not so crazy after all. 
I yes, mean, it could just so. be that. Yes. So well, that, I don't that's know. That's the, the bigger, the bigger scale, longer term, yeah. unintended consequence. But you're not in control of that. We're just well, taking the ride yeah. on what happens there. Like, yep. and who's in control here? Well, my sense is the white supremacists hold the. Mm. I don't know. You know that they have the power to both make noise, get coverage, and incite poor behavior on the other side. That they they have all those. If they were smart, they know that they have those things at their disposal. Well, let's okay. Let's so just say how this. will they use those tools that we have given them? Let me just throw out one a, a quick rebuttal, which is that the case of the situation, public opinion about Muslims in general goes down whenever one or a few radical Muslims take violent action in America. So mm -hmm. it could simply be the case that any cause of sort of like white pride, European cultural pride and pride of place will take a hit when a handful of white supremacists get violent. Mm -hmm. So it could just be the opposite of what you're saying. I don't know. And there's, but well, it's not one or the other is the problem. So there are, what right. you, phenomenon you explained, great. I love it. I'd like to see more of that. I have a family member who was a Trump supporter and then was like, saw some of the shit going on early in the presidency and now is like, this guy's crazy. This is, and he's trying to, and he, and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Like somebody, I saw somebody change well, their mind. Well, it's just good to like see that. someone change their yeah, mind. Yeah, I love that. I'm like, yeah. well, right on. Right. So that's good. And we would like to see more of that. And maybe this will cause that. On the other hand, there are, I would say, it's harder for other people to understand this, but there are many people in the South and in Virginia, in South Carolina that absolutely would denounce the KKK and Nazis and white supremacists yeah. who also really don't think you should take down the statues. And so those people sure. will casually maybe go a different way, like, or, or it's going to seem like they do. I, I, and that's complicated, I guess I have too. a little not, bit of faith I don't in, agree with them, but... That, I guess I have a little faith in someone who would say that they have other reasons for wanting to keep the statues that, like, still yeah. what these guys did is abhorrent. Right, but, maybe, maybe but, they, but what I'm yeah. saying is those people are now going to be really lumped into that category by the people over here in, in Seattle, at least. I was reading a Facebook post of somebody from my high school that's smart, intelligent, guy-like, and it's not... Not a not hateful. The guy's not hateful, but it's like whoa, and like they're like they're trying. They're discussing in their Facebook threads how this is so sad. What's happening to them, to to us, and the the, the our history and our heritage? And they're not hateful people. I know mm -hmm. nobody will believe that, or they might. They have some really bad ideas crossed up in there. In my view, sure. But they would certainly, certainly people that would disavow instantly the those people, but agree with those people about the statues. That's complicated. I yeah, but I guess that I, I guess or if they're anything, just you and lump them all in that category. I don't know. Just like the sit-ins, it's kind of sad. Just like the sit-ins gave a sort of a stark point to segregation and Jim Crow in the South. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's unlikely that events like this will give a kind of a stark point to the conversation around Confederacy monuments and sort of yeah. war of Northern aggression kind of language down in the South. Well, there'll be people like me who at one point would have said, no, don't change the name of the road. I mean, it's the name yeah. of the road. Don't change. And I still kind of practically don't really want all the names of all the roads forever to change. I mean, that's a little bit annoying from a, sure. just a travel, traveler's point of view. But uh, I, and I could have even said, well, look, don't, this is, is don't, just don't mess with it. It's not hurt. Just, this is the way it is. I mean, if you try to scrub all the way back, we have to, I mean, who knows where that's, there's a logic to that. Now, at this point, 
I understand that the ship has sailed to some degree, so I will not resist. If you want whatever statues you want to take down, any roads you want to change the name of, if that will help, I, we, I won't stand we in the do way of that. Scrub. Feel, I mean, feel free. But uh, on, they're on the National Mall in D.C., there's now a Black History Museum and a Native American mm -hmm. Museum. I mean, it's not like it isn't true that well. Why do we only do this with only want to do this with the South? It's not true. We we go back and we sort of make these half-assed atonement gestures right, for right, right, right. You know, but, but that's all, all of it. it. Yeah, and you could make more, and you could go farther, and you could. Uh, who knows? But, but it's but. not true. It's not true that it's selective. You, you wouldn't go so far. You wouldn't go so far progressive that everybody in uh, Greenwood would uh, voluntarily swap housing with everybody in South Seattle. We won't go that far to equalize right, the sure, thing. So yeah. we, I mean, I mean, there's some amount that will, of course, change things. Some amount we won't. Well, there's, but there, there's a real difference between. How much is any one person willing to suffer for the sake of good in their own life? And there's another question, which is, what ought our children to learn as they mm -hmm. grow up? Mm -hmm. Those are different. Now, of course, there's a huge lack of people willing to do the first thing. Mm -hmm. And most people are very unwilling to suffer. Uh, but that doesn't mean we can't come to pretty good agreement about what our children should learn. And so children growing up in a community in the South that really... Uh, sort of lionizes and, and heroicizes, you know, the aims of that war. And, and it, if, if they Ooh, don't... It's hard for it's me hard. to have a bad thought about Robert E. Lee, if I'm honest. Like, my thoughts of him are, uh, are just, were all positive, basically, growing up. Well, my, yeah. And, and I, I, don't, don't, I mean, I still don't think of him as a bad guy, but I totally think, yeah, we don't need the statues of a failed war, you know, all that. Like, or a Confederate flag but I'd hanging have to say that at a even, state capitol. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I'm saying even me... Even now, my th and what speaking to kids growing up, and when I go back and look at the people from my for on from my high school on Facebook, I'm like, oh yeah, you just this is just what what you grew up in, so this is what yeah. you know. And it's not really, it's nothing. It's not even that crazy. Like for me, when somebody says Robert E. Lee, I don't cringe. I just don't. I, I don't sure. have that thought. And yeah. I understand somebody in Seattle when you say Robert E. Lee, they go ooh, and yeah. I, and that's just I, just I can't change that. Right. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird is all. Are we taking any listener questions? Or? Well, they're just a bunch of... Uh, we only have white nationalist listeners, so all their... Uh, <laughs> the middle. Yeah, the... Yeah. Yes, which is what we're speaking to and about. So, uh, you know, why is the... I mean, you're in the... Let's move off this topic, too. But in from doing Depolarized, from embarking on the yeah. journey that you're doing... Uh, oh, another wrinkle in it. And I know you're supposed to stay off social media, but you did post... What does love your enemies mean? And I don't know yeah. how you phrase that, but okay, we got, obviously that's one. Yeah. Like if if we can clearly identify white supremacy as our enemy, <laughs> okay, now we're supposed to love them. Yeah. Mm, what does that mean? So, well, the an to answer the question of where has the middle gone, I'll refer you to the forty-one episodes of the Depolarized mm -hmm. podcast, where we basically. Was <laughs> it getting worse? Is it is this making it worse? Um, I don't know. I don't. My kind of gut. And I'm not a political scientist, a scientist, but my gut is that we are in a very long period that is currently intensifying of most thinkers, politicians, leaders, movements that get and gain traction are doing so through ideological purity as opposed to moderation. Um, so, yeah, for instance, you, you might have, I'll give you two examples. You might have a John Kasich kind of a guy who says, look, things are complicated. 
we need a steady hand, mm-hmm. and we need experience or whatever. Well, he didn't do that well, right? Right, because he, he's a lukewarm not just pussy, Trump, right? That's all, not that's just all Trump, the moderate Jeb is, Bush, right? right, whatever, but Cruz. Mm-hmm. You know, Cruz uses pretty inflammatory language. Trump used very inflammatory language, and uh, you even see it on the left, Right. I mean, like Bernie uses pretty not inflammatory, like violent language, but he uses very extreme language, very black and right. white language. Right. I mean, his moderate views are not the ones that make him Bernie that we love. Right? Yeah. It's, right. It's, it's extreme views that that that, that right. function. Right. I mean, <laughs> as and, a vehicle and, for. Yeah. And I'm not criticizing any any particular politician by saying that. I'm, I'm just saying that. Currently, you know, the louder you are and the more brash you're movements tend to be growing. Bernie's a, such a good example of that. So obviously Trump's some example of being extreme and it works, whatever. So we know that. Mm-hmm. But Bernie's a really good example now that you bring that up. If he were simply economically moderate but had all the character and personality and all this stuff, yeah. he'd be a nothing. He'd be mm. useless. He'd be just some old whatever. He'd be nothing. He yeah, the, the appeal... Only, the, the only appeal is he's so extreme and he has to be likable or tell the truth or whatever people like to say about it. But Now, I do I do wonder, I privately wonder, if there's an opening for a politician who baldly speaks the truth about moderation and about extremism. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And I would... I sort of hope there is. Like, for someone to just come out and say, aren't you guys all sick of this, this is. Let me explain it. How to could you. you rally that so hard? I that don't you know. Gain that, platform and notoriety and be a hero as, as doing that. Though I know that's the hard one, but it it's not inconceivable to me that we it get just to a make point, a good hero. It might take ten more years or whatever, mm-hmm. but but people might get so disgusted that they go, "Oh my gosh, I just that's like water to a." Th- to a start to a thirsty person or a possibly you know, it, 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 it could get if so we may have to get more cartoonish first i think probably true um it's you know we we know a lot about human psychology uh for those who are willing to look and read mm-hmm. we there's a lot of really good robust explanations for why people are tribal and for why activist voices tend to move parties um, the fact of the matter is most people are not that interested in learning about that, unfortunately. And uh, also, you know, politics is not a thing that most people spend a lot of time on. And so until there is a national crisis of some sort, people tend to not yeah. focus on politics. We may be headed toward crisis, though. And that's we, that's we what may I'm be. afraid yeah. of. That's just what my sense I don't have any predictions. And I don't like – I'm not even doing – I'm basically a, a human – optimist in in the long term i'm skeptical and everything on its here and now on the ground but long term seems like society works shit out overall but currently i go whoa this feels a scary way to me and that's scarier this week than last week it's more volatile than last week and i don't think we've improved anything yet yeah i don't even know if we've discovered anything yet in fact the left and the right problems that we have they they may be this may be the beginning of them Maybe. Yeah, I mean that's I don't know. quite it's quite possibly it's true. Be the I'm, first bad rally where things got weird. Hmm. That that might be what that is. I don't know. If I was if I was if I was the alt right and the white nationalist, I would say more of this hmm. is what I would be saying. If I was their sharp leader, that's what I'd be thinking. Hmm. Maybe so, a little little bit scary there, but uh, yeah. Hmm. You want to talk about? Yeah, something let's else? move on. What's the other thing you want to talk about? <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't, I'm not, we don't have a whole lot of time here. Maybe we can just, uh, 
we can pique some interest and we can follow it up later. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not in a hurry for whatever you got to do. We got to eat lunch in a little bit, but. But I do. I texted you last night and I I said, hey, I have a book title, mm-hmm. which of course I haven't written anything about, but it's just an idea. And and so the the title of the book would be, um, the way is narrow colon why so many Christians are so awful mm-hmm. parentheses and also non Christians and also me and probably you. Long and book title. Long like book it. title. But the idea being like, why? Like, we know so many Christians are awful. We mm-hmm. know so many Christians act contrary to the person that they claim to follow. Why? Like, why? And not just saying sin, because I, I think sin is like a good answer in a certain mm-hmm. sense, but like, could we get a little more specific than that? And uh, the reason that I was asking that question is because I've been doing a little bit of research, and some of it's been on the Bad Christian Facebook page, uh, on my own, and on a number of friends who posted it, trying to get people to think about various roadblocks to faith. And so I asked these series of questions like, if you no longer are religious, why? Uh, if you are religious, but you're experiencing problems or doubts, or whatever, what are they? You know, what, what has turned you off in the past or, or whatever? Sort of different ways of saying the same thing. And I got uh, 126 answers to this question. And 35% of them, by far the largest percentage of anything, were directly related to the church itself or mm-hmm. Christians as a whole. You know, the most, that was just like the most recognizable kind of an answer. And so that got me kind of thinking, like, well, why? So that's a really good question. You know, it is. like four times as many people said that as like homosexuality, for instance. Uh, four times as many people said that as the problem of evil or suffering. Um, the, the, there are other answers sort of like that, but other Christians or the church, sort of the big one. And uh, basically I, I was reading through those this morning and I, there's sort of four categories of this answer. And so I'll just say them and then you, any thoughts we talk okay. about. First one is that Christians use a lot of spiritual language and they have all the right like spiritual trappings in their culture or in their life. Uh, and that this to many people seems inversely related to be Christ-like. So they're very willing to say they'll pray for you, but very unwilling to actually do anything to help you or spend any time. And this is not, of course, everybody, but like some people saw so much of this that they felt, oh, well then, so being a Christian doesn't make you any better. Mm -hmm. I can discard this. Um, The second category is really more just like a general question, and this is maybe the one I'm most interested in, which is if you look at the whole of people who claim to be religious or claim to be Christians, wouldn't you expect to find like a difference right. between them and everybody else. Yeah, and most most studies seem to say that they're not. It just uh, kind of yeah. works out the same with every moral measure for the most part. Yeah, or, I mean, you just take, like... I mean, certain ones. That, yeah, but. for instance, like, an issue... Um, so some people would say, like, you know, they look like average Americans or whatever. And, and here's a study I, I recently read that I found alarming. In America today, or I guess it was in 2015, so recently... Uh, this research firm presented these people with all these questions about like what they would say to two possible military options in Iran. And, and the most astounding one is they gave two options, a 
tactical nuclear strike on another city, not the capital, that would kill 2 million Iranian civilians or a conventional military attack that would kill up to 20,000 U.S. soldiers. So it's a 100 to 1 ratio. Mm-hmm. 47% prefer the nuclear strike. 53% any American lives. To 20,000 yeah. 20, things. So, But 60% would approve it. Like would approve of it. So they so there's 13% who would prefer conventional military, but hey, if my leaders chose this, I would approve of it. Now, you gotta think in a nation that 60% or so of whom identify as Christian or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, to say that you would approve of a 100 to 1 ratio of dead women, children, and non-combatants. Mm-hmm. To, to soldiers who literally sign up to maybe die. Uh-huh. That's the whole point. That you have a problem. Well, <laughs> that, I mean, I, I will give you the, what I believe to be the explanation. Okay, and let's it's work just on a, this one. It's a human bug. Okay. Or feature for whatever way yeah. you want to look at it. But it's only based in, uh, I mean, everything goes out the window. It's just, it's, it's, I, I would almost describe it as a political problem. If a if hundred people broke into my house, I would kill every one of them in a second and not think twice about it and it wouldn't have anything to do with the lens of my spirituality or, or, or Christian. I'm not saying literally, but if they broke into your house because they're criminals. Whatever, right. Whatever. I'm just saying if they're, I would trade a hundred to one in self-defense, if I felt imminent threat or whatever. And that's the way people, I, the only thing I can describe to you is as a society, we've got everybody whipped up, everybody's terrified and they're acting that way because everybody's incredibly selfish. They're not even thinking logically on the great scale. They are fired up and scared of Iran and they're making decisions that that wouldn't even pass their own scrutiny test if they could think about it logically. They are simply not even operating out of what they Interesting. believe. Interesting. They right. do believe you're right. It doesn't matter. I'm scared of Iran. Well, okay, that's interesting, but they're just then derailed. Their fear. So then you could ask a question of then maybe there's a question of why isn't Christianity enough to fight against that fear in such an in such a starkly obvious scenario, such as 100 times as many non-combatants. I'm shocked at their lack of ability to separate and perform logic, but I could preach a sermon on turn the other cheek, walk out in the parking lot and have somebody punch my wife and I wouldn't turn or punch me in one cheek. I'm not really going to turn the other cheek on the way to the car after I preach that sermon. I just am not going to. Now, if I could sign up ahead of time before I walk to the parking lot, uh, hit a switch that says, Will I turn the other cheek? Yes. Commit me to that decision. I would say that in good faith. I'd even pull the switch. But well, then when okay. it happened, if I have any uh, agency, I'm not going to do it. Right, but here's the problem. And that's the big version of that. With your answer, this is a survey conducted in the safety of someone's home. This is right. being asked to pull the switch, not actually being punched. I know, but that speaks to the level of fear, fear-mongering and baseline fear in the society yeah. as, as a whole. I don't any know individual, the, I think you yeah. can get them to make the right decision. But that's just... Endemic of what it's the 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 temperature is what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a really I don't know the answer to that question. I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 
It, it just, it's it just, appalling you know, to There's me. certain things that break down. I mean, there's a certain amount of, you know, you, you like to, your claim, your moral claims are not going to be your action regardless of whether it's Christian or not. So the question, yeah, the real well, question might be. <laughs> never going to be as accurate. You're never as benevolent as you imagine you are. Right. You're like, just not. So. Why do people's, why are people so different in fact than the, than the principles they claim to live by? That's well, a fascinating that's an evolutionary question. answer too. It's just it serves us well to be that way. Sure. And so then you but the thing is there are people who have been totally changed by for instance following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like it's not like this is true of everybody that their views that their commitments don't change them. That's why I want to call the book The Road is Narrow. Because mm-hmm. right. there are some people. And so how do we bridge the gap between being on the wide road and, and transferring over to the narrow road? You know, to put I, it that way. I, I'm one of the less offended people by hypocrisy. And when I say less, I maybe mean yeah. a little bit less. But hypocrisy is relatively natural. I just don't know anybody who's not hypocritical, Christian yeah. or not. And the disgust we have with hypocrisy is maybe a little overdone. Is what I would I like. I see people actually have a much lower view of humanity than most people, yeah. which allows me to operate well because I ain't surprised by that kind of shit. Well, yeah, and, that, so and that's, that's, my, that's maybe where I'm it. going. I'm not sure. My okay. view of people is depravity and low and sin. Yeah, so much so that why am I listening to what they're saying? What they do is this is what we are. This is what we're like. It ain't good. Yeah, but you could you could argue I'm that not that surprised by white supremacists or hypocritical people or politicians or Christians. I ain't, I'm not that surprised. I, sure. I just assume this is what they are and man, yeah. what I am too. Yeah, well, minus the supremacist part. So there's two other two other of these kind of answers. Um, the third one is there's something about churches and the church situation, you're going to say this is related, that actually seems to reward people who are not Christ-like. And, a, <laughs> and one example is pastors with narcissistic or other personality yes, disorders. Of course. Yeah. And I actually I have a little a little thing to talk about on this. I was just reading in this book the other day. In ancient Egypt, okay, there's like a long dynasty, I think for multiple dynasties for like maybe 500 to 1,000 years, central power in Cairo. Then that faded away. And as the central power in Egypt started to uh, dissipate, local sort of chieftains sprang up and were kind of claimants to like a local authority. And what each of these guys would do at first is they would just sort of by brute force you had to be militarily strong enough to hold your area, your territory. But then that wasn't enough for people. That was not enough for people to respect you as the new ruler of them. What they would do is they would say, I have been appointed by this local god. So if maybe Ra, the sun god, was the one who had chosen the pharaoh, now they're saying, well, this local god has chosen me for our area. Mm-hmm. And then what they would do to prove that the evidence they would marshal in support of their being chosen was their ability to maintain order in a world of chaos. Do we call that manifest destiny? Well, I, what I'm interested in is order and chaos. Mm-hmm. And I would say, huh, a leader's, a, a leader's right to rule is directly related to their ability <laughs> to create and keep order in a world of chaos, I think right. that applies equally to Obama and Trump. Well, yeah. And I mean, every king in the Bible that God said, you but don't I'm need, saying he to, said, I want I'm, it. How much whatever. have we changed? And all the pastors the same way. We, the right. Bible says you want a king, and God says you don't need one. You say, screw you, I need one. 
I'm too and afraid then, of now chaos. You get one. I'm That's too right. afraid of chaos. Right. So, it, but it might be worth contrasting Obama and Trump here. To a certain kind of person like myself, Obama says, Dan, the world is crazy. It's very chaotic. It takes incredible discipline, knowledge, diplomatic skills. It takes knowing the right language to use and working every angle to keep the world safe. And I go, thank you, Obama. Mm -hmm. Thanks for keeping me safe. To to someone who Trump speaks to, Trump says, look, guy, look, guy, the world is crazy. You need a strong man Mm -hmm. who's brash and loud Mm -hmm. and not afraid to drop a bomb. And that's how you'll stay safe. And to some people, they go, oh, I feel safe. But it's the same thing. We just have a different view of what makes us feel strength. And so perhaps this explains narcissistic pastors of like, I'm here. Sure. You follow me. And people go, oh, there's order in my life. It's not chaotic. Yeah. I mean, obviously. I mean, individuals are just so weak. I mean, they just are. Like, we just attribute so much to people that just don't know. Like, you, you, it's that same feeling when you kind of grow up and you go, wait a minute, there are no adults. There is nobody in charge. There isn't anybody mm. who knows anything or really has any. Honestly, very little people have even have any real power or, or are aware of what it is that they have. I mean, they're relative to each other. There's a, yep. there's a huge disparity. But it's not like there's anybody that can really control anything, including Trump or whatever. I mean, he wishes that he could control more for sure. And yeah. Obama, too. They're just yeah. the right puzzle pieces that fit at the right time and, and emerge. They're not masterminds. There are no masterminds, is what I'm saying. These things are just yeah. emergent things that speak to the populace at large. And here's what I feel. Here's what I'm going to say everybody's like. People are especially this day and age, all I hear are extremely, extremely loud sheep. Everybody's sheep, but my gosh, are they loud and ample. Every, everybody's a sheep with a PA system. Okay. They want a lot, but really they don't even, they don't know. They're just reacting. They're following. They're wanting to be controlled. They're wanting to be herded, but they're screaming it is all. It's mm. just the volume is just so high. That's what I, the way I see it. It's acceptable to be loud these days. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, for instance, if you're talking about the, the, the anti-racist people that are, maybe virtue signaling. I'm not trying to say it's bad to stand up to racism on Facebook. Feel right. free. Good. I should do it. Here it is. Here's mine. I hate white nationalism and white supremacy. It's bad. I disavow it 100%. Okay? So there, there's me saying that. But yeah. I feel s- s- silly even doing that because, of course, I think that. Anyway, for whatever that's worth, that's worth. I'm not saying it's that bad. But what I'm saying is that still, to me, sounds like an extremely loud sheep. Mm. That, that makes the really epic post on their Facebook about how that's it. They will stand with the blah, blah. It's just, that, it kind of goes over my head or something. I, you know. Yeah, I, I, I think there's, I'm, I'm at least partly with you. I think that. You want to stand with a bunch of other people. We want to be heard in a certain, we want to identify. Yes, I mean, I'm, it's, I'm, it's all that stuff. I, I think Jesus speaks to this though and says, when you pray, go into your closet. Right. Do not think do it on the, on the street corner. When you give, given, you know, the woman who gave her last half penny is better than the rich man who wrote a public check. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's something, ab- I, I, I think where I might agree with you is that there are no masterminds at the macro level of the world. But we want there to be, go. people are begging to be yeah. led. It's like Loki in yeah. the Avengers. But in when fact, he says all that speech, I go, that sucks, he's right, but he is. But... The, but there is, you there is some level of control at the personal level, and so I think that what is needed for maturity, 
is to acknowledge a lack of control at the national or international level and to focus one's efforts on oneself and one's immediate community. And then from there, you know, there might be a calling to something bigger that is more national. Perhaps you're supposed to be a radio host, for instance. Um, but you got to start by just loving your neighbor. And when we, I think we're more free to do that when we can sort of dethrone strong men or strong women mm -hmm. or, and I, I'm, but, I'm but, including Obama But you Obama don't dethrone them like you did Gaddafi. I mean, you dethrone them by no, not giving them mind. power in the first I, place. I mean, in your mind. Not by, you yeah. know, stabbing them in the butt no, until no, they're I, dead. No, no, I'm talking <laughs> about, I'm saying at, on a personal level, you, you yeah, dethrone right. anyone who says... Any yes. person or any ideology that says, with me, you'll finally be okay. Yeah, and then the other trap is the people that kind of wake up to that or realize that. Like, wait a minute, I'm not going to be controlled by these people, so the nonconformists or the innovators and the people like that that do that, then they just, once you get on the other side of that divide, you go, oh. So I then you just become one of the people that gets an audience and a platform and you start, you, you, you know what I mean? So as soon as you break away and realize he doesn't know what he's talking about, they don't know what they're talking about. This guy that, I... You, you, then you go to the other side, and then it's, then the battle is to not try Be, to become, become a person one. who doesn't know what they're talking about but talks all the time. Uh, well, possibly that, but <laughs> at least we can admit. I'm just saying it, it wouldn't be hard, for instance, a, a battle for me. It's not really a battle, but yeah. I could get a narrower set of ideas that speak to a base and then grow larger right. at the expense of telling the truth and be, right. being me, but that that's an allure. That's an easy thing to do, and and it goes not, not just for podcasting, but for power, for business, for politics, for uh, spiritual leadership. All the, it becomes easy to characterize once you realize, oh, I'm not going to be a follower, then it's hard not to become a narcissistic leader is another trap. So yep. there's the, both types. So there's all the people competing that understand that there's a bunch of sheep out here yeah. Or, or you're a sheep. What's in between those two? Uh, uh, you know. the, what's in between is is the people who just quietly do good work. Yeah, right. I mean, I think that's that's more and more or, what or I'm remain, realizing. Or, or maintain integrity and honesty, but still deal with ideas. I like that territory. Yeah, you know? I mean, your work might still work with ideas. Right. But, but you're... They had to be honest and had to be yeah. yours and not representative of what you perceive your base to be. That's, yep. that's you know... That's, that's hard. That's the battle to fight. And if you gave me more power, my, I have a little bit of influence or success or something now. Nothing I don't think of as a big deal. But if you gave me more, it'd be hard for me not to want more. I, I admit that. Right. If you put me in, if you tripled the size of what I do, it would be harder to maintain integrity, not easier. Sure. You, you would yeah, think it'd be the opposite, exactly. but that's not true. So put me, if you if I had started preaching sermons and my church grew to 5,000, what do you very think? What, am I going to have more think, integrity at that point, please? It'd be very easy no to think, thing. oh, I'm on to something here. I'm, right. I'm doing it right. Right. Well, and that's why it's I, just you're just in. describing why it is so rare that people like Jesus and Gandhi and Socrates live. I mean, it's like... Right, yeah. And when Sometimes, we find someone it, yeah. like that, we that's go, right. we think this is the real thing. That's why I'm a Jesus fan, personally. I yeah. mean, like, I just... Or, or I, modern I like people who, who live like Jesus, yeah. right? I mean, Gandhi being one. You know, then you find these people and you go, oh my gosh, like, this is possible because no one's like this, you know? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, Jesus didn't round off the corners to grow a base. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? I don't he think seemed so. that he's no, the one I don't like think he did. I think everybody, if you hold, explore your ideas and hold your ideas and speak of them honestly, you, you should be free of being worried about being labeled. I mean, I've said a lot of things that sound like I'm against the resistance to the 
racist. I, I think people have to take me for what I am because I think they'll hear me trying to explore honestly. I hope. But yeah. but Jesus was able to do that, and he knew he was right. I don't know if I'm right, so that's different. Right. But he knew he was right, and he still wasn't concerned with really growing a thing or making sure to knock this out or do that. He he seemed he had all the right answers and knew it and seemed content to be relatively quiet. Yeah. Which I like. Or yeah. not decisive or conclusive or any of those things. Which I I really like that. I, I think it's a really good model. Even for a a public person trying to push ideas. Maybe I don't know, even push is a, a like I don't know. Maybe I try to push ideas I feel strong about, but maybe just explore. Like, that's why I like having you come in, because just think out loud a little bit. I don't know what, what well, it is. So speaking of ideas is a perfect transition to the fourth and mm-hmm. final type of this answer I got, and I'd love your thoughts on it, is that a lot of people said that what appeared to be, there appeared to be a clear overemphasis on belief in the church to yeah. the detriment of a focus on living a life of love. Why do you think that it's much easier... For a religious setting, what was to the focus on belief that got those it, results? Thing, things that got in your way, in one way or another, either kept, knocked you out of the church or away from religious faith, or that have been impediments, even if you are religious now. Mm-hmm. And so people felt like in Christian communities, it was all about belief. Like, do you believe the right things? You know, setting boundaries and walls and making sure everyone has the same beliefs, rather than. Jesus, who appeared to sort of knock a lot of that down mm-hmm. and knock down a lot of tribalism and whatever, and said, it matters what's in your heart, live a life of love. Why do you think that groups like this, why is it? Why does it become such that belief gets vaulted up? And there, like, for instance, you don't have a test of virtue for someone who wants to teach Sunday school class or whatever. You know, why do so many churches allow divorced elders when it's clearly not there in the Bible? You know, but but they have to have the right view about atonement. Sure. But you're, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what explains that, do you think? I don't know. I mean... That's a hard one. It, it is a hard one, but the... Well, I there's something going on where judgment... Again, I've, I think I have evolutionary answers to these things. Like, okay. it's, there's the short circuits where it just doesn't work out. What's in theory... I mean, that's, it's a good example of that. We can do a lot of stuff in theory, cognitively, logically, belief-wise. Those things are not real. They're they're just notions and ideas that we can usually get reasoned or good answers to, or at least some somewhat of sensible answers to. But it just they don't. It doesn't necessarily connect to our behavior. And uh, one okay. of those things that's really profound is judgment itself. So hypocrisy is like if you think of it in evolutionary terms. Rotten meat is visceral. We don't like it. You don't. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you believe disgusting, about it. It's yeah. just it is disgusting. Um, people react to it. Violence is one. I mean, if somebody's violent, everything you thought you knew goes out the window, and you're in violence, fight or flight, whatever mode. Yeah. Um, hypocrisy is a stench to humans mm-hmm. in the same way that shit is, uh, and judgment is one that people go crazy about. So mm-hmm. when you talk about slut shaming or fat shaming or uh, gay people or divorced people, all of those things, there's a perceived, if there's a perceived negative judgment, that makes everybody lose their mind. Like if I mm. even feel that you're judging the sentence I'm saying and thinking I'm an idiot, 
or that you think my muscles are small and you're judging me for it. I, I my brain is short. It just I'm turns everything with off. It. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But and so we have we like to say we don't want to judge because we don't like it. It feels real bad. But there's got to be some way where you can go, oh, no, I'm not like imposing anything, but I have to be free to have my thoughts about people. That's a weak person. She is dressed too skimpy. Everybody should be able to wear whatever they want to, of course. But I don't think she should have worn that here. Like that has, you can't ever stop that thought. You're going to have that thought. Yeah. You, if you're anti slut shaming, sometimes you're still going to look at somebody and say, I don't think she should wear that there's here. There's a woman wearing a bikini and taking the Eucharist. Yeah. yeah and you just, and, and, yeah. but that's, but that's personal judgments exist. So somebody's going to be disgusted by gay people. Okay. And, 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 you, you can't help it, and it's maybe not even wrong for them to have a personal vibe about it. And then what they then what they do with that, and that this stuff gets crossed up big time. So sometimes people are are, are resisting being told that you can't judge something because they know. Well, I, I can't help but have my thought. Are you telling me I can't have my own thoughts? I'm not even trying to harm a person, but you know. So now it's like, well, you can't judge, and so now we start making. It's just it's kind of illogical. We start making these walls, like, well, you can't judge divorced people, and these people are mad at those people because what if they are judging that people? And some people feel judged when they're not. So I think judgment is really operative in all okay. of these things. It's I'm, just it's I all kind of, it gets screwy real quick. I sort of think of this problem of the overemphasis of belief and the underemphasis of living lives lives of love mm -hmm. as more like uh, candy for the brain versus solid food. What is the candy? The candy is, is the, the certainty is the beliefs. of the beliefs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that uh, it's not so sexy to challenge people to love the unpopular because, but, but that goes into the judgment. That's what I'm saying. That's what I meant to if I'd misconnect that. As soon as you start talking about people's behavior like you are now, yeah. now you now it's judgment. Now you're saying, well, I should have given more to charity. Well, fuck you. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So when you when you try to evaluate, then maybe I didn't connect that well, but yeah. when you try to evaluate, do, is he living a life of love? You are master judgment asshole at that point. Hmm. And we want to back off from being that because judging is bad or whatever. But so now it's just, how would you judge if somebody was... So you're saying there's like a fundamental problem at the heart of any group that wants to follow Christ because Judgment the thing problem, that yeah. Christ tells them to do will just turn people away at the door. M uh, maybe. I'm not sure exactly. I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of... I kind of it's amenable just doing to that view. the doing the judgment of evaluating if you or your next door neighbor or somebody you love closer in your community group or somebody far away in your congregation or a Christian on the other side of the country, there's no way to even discuss it without judging their walk of mm -hmm. love. And who the hell are you to do that? And what how are we, how are we supposed to execute that process? Let's not okay, but I I don't think that what my impression from the respondents is not. On a one-on-one -on -one level, mm -hmm. there's this thing. It's more like from the pulpit or the clear message you get from the community is that what matters is that your beliefs are in line, mm -hmm. not yeah. well because it's, you because it doesn't like because Jesus. it doesn't enact to the judgment loop. So because you if somebody judges my idea, that doesn't hurt me that bad. It, it, I don't like it, but it's not that doesn't really okay. So you if you judge that, an action I did, I'm we're. I can't. I got, I'm out of here, or I'm gonna fight you, or I've got to really prove it, or I got to ignore you. If you challenge my idea of the atonement, I don't feel judged in the same way. Okay, well, let me give a. So let me give an example of a, like a theoretical church community. You have a church community who gets together, and there are some like there's a whole uh, denomination called Evangelical Covenant Church, which holds this as a central tenet that we are not going to major on small 
doctrinal differences. Mm -hmm. If you can affirm the Apostles' Creed, you can come here. And we're going to focus on becoming like Jesus. Like, that does exist. Why does that sound like such a rare case? Why is that not the default? That's the question I'm interested in. Why do we want it to be a system of beliefs? Because it's, I mean, like you said, it's like the candy thing. If I go to that church, I'm like, Bridget, we're going to go to church. They're going to focus on our actions and what we do and we don't do. You want to go there? Well, not no, even not, they're not necessarily going to criticize, like well, pick it you, apart, but they're going to the preaching mm-hmm. will will not be about getting the ideas right. The preaching will be about turning yourself into someone who looks like Jesus. Like if you went somewhere that, that, how does that, that every not, week, how does that not turn into just like some moral behavioral coaching thing though? Like now you have mm. a pastor on a stage interpreting what it would be and telling you what to do. That's all I would hear. Mm. So I would say no, thank you. I'd say, I would prefer rather do beliefs. I'd rather do beliefs because maybe if I get to believe in stuff and thinking critically, it will affect my behavior. But what do I want a behavior coach? Interesting. Huh. I, I mean, if so, didn't the Bible? Can I just? Look at the damn Bible and well, who, who's this intermediary asshole I need telling me what Jesus meant for me to do? Well, who's this guy? Yeah. Is what if if you start coming at me that way, then I'm resistant to it personally. I can huh. tell you that. Interesting. And maybe it's self defense and low. Maybe it's low moral. Maybe it's low intellect. But I'm resistant to it. I'm, that's all I'm telling you. Hmm. And yet, obviously, a community of people committed to that would be so much more appealing to other folks. Yeah, yeah, right. It would, it would, it would, I mean. But it's kind of back to the road is narrow. Like it's just, when you meet a person, when you meet just a person in your regular life who has clearly, in fact, I I just got home from uh, a memorial service for someone in my wife's extended family. And she was just clearly a person who did not need her ego stroked. Mm -hmm. She did not need to be the center of attention. And she just did awesome work and like just loved everybody. When you meet somebody like that and you go, how? You're you're so drawn to that Mm -hmm. person. But then there's this huge gap because if you want to become like that person, it's a lot of work. Right. Well, yeah. And it's not just getting your beliefs right. I like to think of everybody's problems as such. X person has X problem. Let's say Reva is super defensive in okay. this it, certain situation, yeah. right? Okay. Well, and it's been illuminated to her that that's not good. Yeah. And so now okay. she doesn't have to be that way anymore. Good for her. Well, now, the problem is she literally practiced that for, for 28 life. years. Yeah, right. So in about, if she practices the opposite of that for 28 years, we'll see. Right. Then we'll, so go ahead. Now that you realize it, let's work on it for the equal amount of time that it got you to be this way. And then we'll see. First of all, obviously, even it wouldn't be as easy to do the opposite for it. So it might take twice as long. So maybe if she works hard at it when she's 80 something, we'll, we'll check back in and see as the behavior change. But people's behavior don't change. Well, yeah, they do, but just not very many people. Not very many people, not very much. The road we know, is I mean, narrow. Right. right. Yeah. And, I mean, I, it, you have to at least accept that fact on a sociological level. Yes. Now, anything happened with an individual, and almost all the problems that we have in our society is when we say a sociological level, a population level problem, yeah. and now I'm going to fucking make it with this person. And that's never, they're two different 
And I, I sort of we're think we're always if, conflating those two things back and forth. Yeah, and I think I, I sort of think if I want to answer these questions, it would be to go sort of along that way, along that route, which is to say, look, uh, individuals are are rough. Uh, always will be. Don't because even, don't try to even change. I mean, you most can, people yeah. don't try. I mean, or they do. I mean, that's the thing that I'm not so sure about. Like, I think God loves everybody. I think that a divine spark or, or something is in every person, but then it also does seem true that like most people don't really make an effort to sort of think hard or try hard at many things. Yeah, well, I mean, it may not be they may not be capable of it though. Like, can't you just admit that? Hmm, maybe. Like, can can they just not be capable of something they're not capable of? I mean, we see that with kids pretty easily. Like, yeah, behavior's but- wrong. Uh, what well, I mean. Poor thing. I mean, she's four. What's she gonna do? Like, yeah. what are you expecting her to do? Or how much? Cha- I mean, what? What? I mean, a forty-year-old has more ability than a four-year-old in a way, and some of them don't actually. And also, but so they should have a little bit more ability to be self-reflective and change their behavior. But on the other hand, they do have another thirty-six years of reinforcement to overcome too. So, yeah, I mean, what are you I, trying to? I mean, well, what, I don't think that to, I don't think that Jesus would have taught anything if it was impossible to change. Mm-hmm. So, well, I, I'm, again, you know. individually, we I would never say people don't change. I've changed. I've seen people change. I think a lot of there's you know, but that's individually. So thinking, you got to be careful. The, just riffing, it might be, it might just be the case that like any group of people truly committed to like changing to be like Jesus will just necessarily be a small group. Right. They well, just would never get 10,000 members. No, right. Maybe, but, I mean, maybe that's just the truth. I don't know. It is the margins. It is the fringes that are the actual, where the stuff happens. Not It's not in the big, fat part of the Venn diagram. That part's not going to move. Yeah. I, I you mean, can move the edges a little, and that's good. And it's, not, and it's worth doing, of course it is. Yeah. But, I mean, if you just take a white supremacist, for instance, let's, let's just give him the knowledge that this one specific thing he's very wrong about and let him fully digest that knowledge. Now, he still lives in a small town in rural Virginia, still has the same family, still has the same everything, all his policy beliefs, all everything. Um, you haven't changed his mind about any of those things. You've just changed his mind about the one thing. Um, that'll still be a real hard fight for him to... Yeah. change. And even if he does change, think about how layered and embedded some of his economic views and political views and religious views are to the one thing that, oh, wait, black people are equal to me. Okay, okay, sorry. I, I didn't have that right before. Right. <laughs> now right. take that and let it, what amount of work is that to infiltrate all the other things that layered into getting there in the first place? It's not mm-hmm. It's not just a wrong view he has that you want to correct. And I, and I also don't think that we should assume that the goal of any human life is to get all the right beliefs either. Mm-hmm. I mean, we wouldn't say, we, we wouldn't say that, you know, uh, great people didn't, like no one great lived before slavery was abolished. Of course. I mean, you know. Of course. Uh, they couldn't imagine slavery being, I mean, very, very few people. Right. But like, you know, I don't think St. Francis of Assisi wrote anything about slavery, for instance. We wouldn't say he's not great. Right, because he didn't get the right sure. view on slavery. I it's mean, like, that's obvious to me. It isn't to everybody, but I think it, that's, that's should yeah, be obvious hard. to to everybody. But um, you know, you're just not. Uh, it it just. Uh, I mean, it's it's reasonable to have a. I mean, my view is just a very low view of people, and I like to think everybody's doing the best they can. Now, you know, like that's a benevolent way to look at. It. I like to look at adults like children, and yeah. I think that's 
more or better. Like, I think people I don't oh, like that. I, I think that children get treated way too much like children. I think children need to be treated a little bit more like adults, and I think adults should be treated a lot more like children. That's the way I think. I always talk to kids like adults and just make sarcastic I think that's the jokes. Way to go. And oh, I don't see why you wouldn't give them. You're funny. depriving them of opportunity if you condescend to kids, yeah. and you are being you're being silly if you treat adults like. Well, once you have a good preformed a formed prefrontal cortex, you should get everything right. Is unbelievably naive. So yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with you, but I'm, I'll think about that some more. I think that was a good chat. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Uh, if you guys want to hear more from me, you can listen to the last 41 episodes of Depolarize mm-hmm. or Reconstruct, which just finished mm-hmm. its first season. Season two coming probably late fall. Anything else that happens, whatever, come come in, drop by any Tuesday if you want to think out loud. I enjoy it. Okay. Thanks, man. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.